Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorbinRosewood.com. Corbin here. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to send me an email, I absolutely love hearing from listeners. My email is hello at CorbinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Episode 13, The Red Castle. Welcome, I'm Corbin Rosewood, and tonight we return to the Mystic Moon, where Victor is determined to get some magical protection, since his boyfriend just can't seem to get away from chaos. The Mystic Moon. The scent of incense hung heavy in the air as Persephone led Victor and Robert through the Mystic Moon with its velvet draped table, crystals of varying sizes, and lamps covered in iridescent fabrics. They passed a second room with a fireplace and plush Victorian-era furniture. Robert peeked into the rooms as they went, taking it all in. But Persephone was moving quickly in her soft ballet slippers, rushing up the stairs with her long white nightgown behind her, its ivory white a striking contrast against her shimmery dark skin. It's like stepping back in time, Robert whispered. Sort of, although the things in this house are all from different eras. It's more like time travel, Victor said. They soon arrived at a cozy kitchen with a hulking black antique stove in one corner. But when Robert looked a little more carefully, he realized Victor was right. The wall had a corded phone from the 80s, and the countertops had an electric kettle and even an air fryer. Persephone had a lot of vintage things, but she still lived in modern times. She sat down at the cozy table and handed them slightly warm mugs of hot chocolate, with the remains of some melting marshmallows on top. I thought you'd be here sooner, she said, handing them the drinks. How did you know we'd be coming? Robert asked, sipping the warm drink. (laughs) Magical intuition, of course, Persephone said, sitting down at the table and looking at Robert with a dreamy gaze. Victor laughed. You can drop the act, doll. We're not your customers. I'm sure Samson just texted you. Persephone shrugged and grinned beatifically. Believe what you want, my friend. Victor rolled his eyes. If you are all-knowing, then I'm sure you know why we're here. Persephone nodded. You need help to keep the little humans safe. Robert looked insulted, but he couldn't figure out how to respond, so he merely glared. The Dark One haunts the night again, Persephone continued. 
Liren is here, haunting you still. He loves you, of course. That's why he'll never let you go. The emotional bond between you is strong. This will be a long winter. Victor looked very uncomfortable at her words. I just want to keep Robert safe from him. Can you help us? He asked. Persephone looked up at the ceiling for a moment, her long, curly, dark hair moving like a cloud around her. She tapped her fingers in a rhythm on the table for a minute, thinking. Finally, she nodded and said, I will do a reading on him, then we will see. She leapt up from the table and was gone from the room before Victor could even respond. He sighed and put his head in his hands, wincing at the still fresh wounds on his back. I have so many questions, Robert said immediately. Victor groaned. I'm not talking about Liren tonight, maybe tomorrow. Robert sighed. Fine. <laughs> Why is she wearing earmuffs? She has sensory issues, Victor replied, looking up. Remember how I said some vampires have strange results when they are turned? Persephone is one of those. She is extremely powerful, far more than the rest of us, but she has a hard time getting control over her powers, so her senses often overwhelm her. She usually stays in her shop, which is her own little world, carefully controlled and isolated from the sounds and sights of humans. So the earmuffs are because she could hear too much? Robert asked, surprised. Victor nodded. Exactly. Imagine if you could hear every sound on this entire city block. Every conversation, every fight, every cat howling and baby crying. Imagine how exhausting that would be. That sounds awful, Robert said. It's not so bad, Persephone said coming back into the room carrying a small velvet pouch. But it's more like three city blocks without these things, she said, tapping her earmuffs. Are they magic? Robert asked. He was finally starting to get the hang of how things worked in Victor's world. Persephone nodded. Yes, there's lots of spells on them, and the walls of my home, too. Mostly I just hear things in my own house with these, although the mice in the walls can get quite loud sometimes. She grabbed a piece of shimmery fabric from a nearby lamp and spread it out on the table before her. Put your hands here, little human, she said, not unkindly. Robert obliged, laying his hands out on the table. My name is Robert, by the way, he said hopefully. I know who you are, she smiled, but she seemed to look through him as she did so. She opened the velvet bag and pulled out a large and ancient tarot deck. She pressed the deck into Robert's hands and folded his fingers around it. Close your eyes, she said. Victor sighed. Is this really necessary? You give your heart away too easily, she said to Victor, perhaps because it is broken. Drink your hot chocolate. She then returned her attention to Robert and placed candles around his hands holding the cards. Do you feel anything? she asked softly. A spirit? An energy? Emotion? Robert shook his head. I'm sorry. 
She nodded. Not everyone does, especially humans. I feel absolutely nothing, and I'm not human, Victor said, pulling out his cigarettes. Persephone quickly grabbed them out of his hands with lightning-fast reflexes and wagged her finger at him. Victor didn't object. He just sighed like a teenager in detention. Persephone put her hands on Robert's and closed her eyes, too. Tell me about yourself, she said calmly. Um, I'm a DJ. I, I just moved here from New York, Robert said nervously. I, um, just started dating a vampire. Victor looked interested again. Go on, tell me more about this vampire, he said. Shh, Robert said out of the corner of his mouth. I'm sorry, Persephone. I am taking this seriously, even if Victor isn't. Tell me something about your heart, Persephone said somberly, ignoring Victor's shenanigans. Robert cleared his throat and took a deep breath. I love to help people, he said earnestly. Persephone nodded. Then she pulled open his hands and said, pull a card. Robert reached into the deck and pulled out a card, which he placed on the table. Victor leaned over to get a look at it. The card said, The Witch, in big, bold letters, along with a very old-looking illustration of a woman leaning over a cauldron. My sister used to do tarot. I don't remember ever seeing that card, Robert said, surprised. Persephone smiled. This is a very different type of deck. Now tell me something about your mind. Hmm. I am very analytical, Robert said surprising himself with his openness. I guess I kind of overthink things sometimes. Victor suppressed a laugh, remembering his interrogation at the farmer's market. Persephone directed Robert to pull another card. This one said, The Third Eye, and showed a fox with many tails and three eyes. Persephone looked surprised, but did not comment. Now tell me something special. Uh, what does that mean? Robert asked, confused. Whatever you think it means, she said mysteriously. Robert took a deep breath and was quiet for a moment. Finally, he said, there's more to me than meets the eye. Persephone nodded and Robert pulled his last card from the stack. He set the card on the table. It said, the red castle and showed a deep crimson castle on the top of a gray hillside victor looked at it and thought that this surely was all nonsense but when persephone saw the card she gasped and jumped out of her chair as though she'd seen a ghost she was clutching her chest her eyes wide and she looked at robert with fear What did I do? Robert asked, his big doe eyes looking scared. I, I didn't mean to. Uh, can I draw again? Absolutely not, Persephone said quietly, shaking her head and carefully putting the cards back into the velvet bag. She picked up the Red Castle card with a scarf, barely touching it like it was made of something dangerous. 
Her hands were shaking as she pulled the crystals away and put them in a box nearby. She stood up and paced the kitchen, lost in her thoughts, pulling on the strands of her bushy hair and twisting it around her fingers. Victor stood up carefully. He knew to move slowly when Persephone was like this. Robert looked at him, his eyes full of concern. Victor put his finger to his lips and motioned to stay calm. Robert nodded his understanding. Victor went up to Persephone and put a gentle hand on her shoulder, slowing her frantic pacing. Hey doll, what's going on? Victor asked. Persephone was whispering nervously to herself. Okay, but the witch and the red castle, does that mean good or bad? Does the, that mean the omen or the curse? What about the third eye? Oh no, oh no, I don't know. Hey, hey, come on now, Victor said gently, putting his arm around her. I think we're getting way too worked up about this, okay? Just take a deep breath. Persephone listened to his calming voice and began to breathe in and out slowly, still twisting her hair around her fingers, her beautiful soft eyes shining in the dim kitchen light. She nodded after a moment and finally let Victor lead her back to a chair. Should I make you some tea, doll? Victor asked, and she nodded numbly, barely seeming to hear him. She began whispering again, trying to understand the reading. Victor sighed to himself as he set the kettle on for her, pulling a mug down and putting her favorite German chamomile tea in it. Then he searched in her tea cabinet for the little antique silver box with her anxiety powder in it. He sprinkled a tiny bit of the sparkling blue dust into her cup while he waited for the water to boil. Soon Persephone's mumbling had turned into her repeating the words, the red castle, over and over again while she twisted her hair. Robert pulled out his phone and quickly searched for anything, but the internet had no results, only an old castle in Scotland. He looked up at Victor hopefully, but got no response. Finally he decided to say something. I don't know what this means to you, but I swear my intentions are good with Victor and everyone you know, Robert said, putting his hands out on the table gently. If you can't help us, I totally understand, and I don't want to upset you. Victor looked up at him and smiled. He was pleasantly surprised by Robert's softness. Persephone stopped her ranting and looked up. Her voice sounded different. The Red Castle is a sacred card that strikes fear into the hearts of all who see it. Then her voice cracked. And I don't know what it means. She flopped her head down on the table and began to cry softly. Victor rubbed her back and gently pushed the tea mug her way. Drink this, dear. It'll help, he said, brushing her head to soothe her. Persephone looked up at him hopefully and took the mug. He was momentarily struck by how young and innocent she looked, though he knew full well she was neither of those things. She sipped on the tea, and Victor found a hand-woven shawl which he put around her shoulders. She pulled it tight and smiled at him, patting his hand softly. Thank you, she said. She calmed down, and finally her eyes seemed to clear. Victor and Robert glanced at each other and shared a look of relief. After a few more sips of tea, Persephone finally looked at Robert, her face at last showing kindness, not just fear. I 
I don't know if I should help you. I wasn't expecting this. Robert nodded solemnly. I understand, he said. Suddenly, she smiled brightly. Oh, I know. Charles will know. Let me go see if he's up for meeting company. Victor smiled. I would love to see him again, he said. Persephone darted out of the room, humming a tune to herself. Robert looked surprised. Why did I think she lived alone? Well, um, Charles is... Victor tried to figure out how to explain it. You know, I'll just let you meet him. Robert shrugged. Okay. A few minutes later, Persephone came into the room, carrying a very large glass jar under her arm. The jar was old and musty, full of a murky liquid and sealed tight with wax and a wooden lid. She set the jar down on the table, and Robert tried very hard not to let the shock show on his face when he saw the jar contained a human head suspended in faintly glowing liquid. He must not have hit his alarm very well, because Persephone said, This is Charles. Sometimes people get a little upset when they meet him, but he's very sweet once you get to know him. Robert gulped. <clears throat> I'm sure he is, he said. He looked down at the head, eyes closed, perfectly coiffed hair. Somehow, even though it was only a head, he was quite sure that if Charles had a body, it would be wearing a three-piece suit. Robert squared his shoulders and said to the jar, in exactly the voice you would use to speak to a child's imaginary friend, Hello there, Charles. It's nice to meet you. Ah, Robert, at last. I'm delighted to meet you, good sir, said a warm, rich voice, and the head opened its eyes and smiled broadly, showing very good teeth for a head in a jar. Robert yelped and jumped back in his chair, completely failing to hide his shock this time. Victor began to laugh, and soon they all did, especially Charles, whose deep baritone voice filled the space with calming laughter. Oh, don't look so worried, my boy, he said cheerfully. I'm ahead in a jar. I'm used to people being surprised. Robert relaxed a little, though he never fully stopped looking stunned. Uh, sorry, I've just, um, I've never met someone like you, Robert said. Most people haven't, Charles said cheerfully. Luckily, my beloved Persephone likes unusual people. Persephone smiled down at the jar and lovingly brushed the top of it. It was clear from the look in her eyes that she was in love with Charles. How are you, good man? Victor asked, smiling at Charles with the confidence of an old friend. Oh, you know, same old, same mold, Charles said, laughing heartily. <laughs> I've mostly been sitting on a shelf, as you do. Looks like you're getting up to your usual hijinks, Victor. This one must be special, though. You've never brought a human to meet us before. Robert raised an eyebrow and smiled quietly to himself. He's definitely special, Victor admitted, before continuing. But also, times are strange at the moment. Did you hear about the bombing? At the witch's bed and breakfast? Charles asked. 
Victor shook his head. No, the other bombing. Robert's apartment was bombed earlier this evening. Charles whistled. I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know. I was sleeping, of course. Is everyone all right? Yes, we're all good. But I need a protection charm for Robert, and I was hoping Persephone could lend me one from her collection. I believe that's why she woke you up. Persephone leaned down and whispered to Charles for a moment. He made affirming sounds, and finally, he said quietly, The Red Castle? Goodness! When Persephone was done explaining what had happened, she sat down next to Charles and looked at him expectantly. Well, I'm sorry, dear. You're a lot more knowledgeable about that tech than I am. Tarot isn't really my specialty, you know, Charles said, frowning. While I may not know much about the Red Castle, I know Victor's a good lad, even if he is a bit foolish. Hey, Victor said, but then shrugged and didn't continue. Persephone nodded. That's true. Victor is the kindest soul I know, she said, smiling softly at him. Victor looked even more annoyed at this comment, but he didn't say anything. If his friends insulting his character was what it took to keep Robert safe, then that was the price he was willing to pay. What do you think I should do? Persephone asked. Of course the decision is yours, my dear, Charles said. But my opinion is, what's the harm? He's not asking for anything dangerous. Just a little protection, which seems warranted in these times. I don't think a simple protection amulet is likely to cause any lasting damage. Persephone nodded. Thank you, my love. You always have the best advice. I'm sorry for waking you up like this, she said. Don't apologize. You know I always love when company comes over, Charles said, smiling at Victor and Robert. A good story is worth waking up for. Speaking of which, I'd love to hear about what happened to you two this afternoon, he said. Why don't you put the kettle on and tell me about it, Victor? Victor nodded obligingly and quickly ran to put the kettle on, smiling to himself. If he could get Charles on his side, he knew Persephone would never be far behind. Scene. The Walk Home. A few hours and many cups of tea later, Victor and Robert walked out into the night and headed to Robert's apartment, winding their way through the rainy city, the streetlights casting a mysterious glow in the late night. That was certainly one of the most unusual evenings I've ever had, Robert said. He was twisting around the amulet Persephone had given him in his hands thoughtfully watching the way the dark amber stone reflected the light. Hey, be careful with that, Victor said. You don't know what it might do. Robert looked alarmed. What should I be doing with it then? Just put it on, Victor said. He stopped walking to wait while Robert put it around his neck carefully. If you just wear it and forget about it, that would be the safest bet. Magic is sort of finicky, weird, especially old stuff like this. You don't always know what spells may be on it. But you think I should just hang it around my neck all the time? Robert said, exasperated. Victor sighed. To be honest, I don't know much about magic. 
It's always seemed confusing and chaotic to me. I prefer things I can feel, things I can touch. So I let the people that like it do their thing, and when they tell me what to do with the magic thing, I do that. If Persephone says you should just wear it and do nothing else, then just do that. If you stray from the rules, you never know what might happen. You might end up with six-foot wings and decades of depression. Seriously? Robert said, looking at the little stone necklace resting on his chest. Victor nodded. It happened to a friend of mine. I think she might be finally getting over it, though. He turned to Robert and took his hands. Promise me you'll be careful, okay? Don't mess with the amulet and it won't mess with you. And hopefully it will keep you safe. And if you see anything weird, anything at all, call me right away. I don't care what time it is. Just call me, okay? Robert nodded solemnly. Okay, I promise. Victor smiled and started walking again. So, I have like so many questions, Robert began. I'm still not talking about Liren today, Victor said. Honey, I just spent the last two hours having tea with a head in a jar. You think I want to talk about your ex-boyfriend? Robert said. Victor laughed. Well, I guess that works out then. What do you want to know? I mean, Charles, how? What the hell is going on? I don't know, really. I mean, magic, of course. Beyond that, I haven't got a clue. Persephone is a bit of a collector, as you saw from her place. She loves old things, especially magical ones. She found Charles at a magical antiques market a few decades ago, and they hit it off, so she brought him home. He sleeps most of the time, but when he's up, he's so cheerful and funny. I always enjoy his company. He sleeps most of the time? Like a cat? Robert asked. I mean, he's still a person, mostly, Victor said. I think he uses a lot of energy to be awake because of not having a body, so he's usually napping. But he's a real person. He used to be human? Definitely, Victor replied. Persephone mentioned that he used to have a body a very long time ago. She's been trying to figure out how to get him a new body for years now. Robert's eyes went wide. She can do that? Victor shrugged. We don't know, but they're certainly hoping it's possible. Oh yeah, cause they're, you know, Robert said, wiggling his eyebrows. Victor laughed. I have no idea what you mean. You know, like, they want to get physical, cause they're clearly in love. I saw how she looked at that jar, Robert said. Well, they are in love, but I doubt they want to get physical, at least in the way you mean. Persephone is asexual. I haven't asked Charles, but I think he may be as well. From what I can tell, Charles isn't dreaming about sex so much as candied yams. I think he'd also like to be awake more. He loves good conversation. Candied yams? Robert said, surprised. Yes, they're his favorite and he misses them dearly. He mentions it every Christmas. Robert shook his head. Your friend, who is a head in a jar, misses candied yams. Okay. So tell me about the Red Castle. I have no clue, I'm afraid, Victor said. Your guess is as good as mine. She's never been like that after a reading. Seriously? Robert said, distressed. I thought you were going to say she was just being dramatic. I didn't say she wasn't being dramatic, Victor replied. 
I just said she's never been like that after a reading. She seemed really upset by that card. I looked it up online and I couldn't find anything about it, Robert said. Do you know anything about the deck she was using? Victor shook his head. No, like I said, I try to keep away from all the magic stuff. You should try to do the same. <sighs> it seems to be finding me whether I like it or not, Robert said. The other cards were strange too. The witch and the third eye. Victor stopped walking for a moment, and his face lit up with a realization. The witch! he exclaimed, looking relieved. That must have been about Vasya, the witch you gave your lock of hair to. Maybe she's planning something. Maybe that's who caused the bombing. I bet that's what the cards were about. It was a warning. I'll tell Samson, and they'll look into it. Robert looked scared. I'm starting to understand why you didn't want me to give her my hair. I had no idea how complex and dangerous your world is, but I'm starting to get the picture now. Victor started walking again, looking relaxed finally. Don't worry, we can handle some witches. Samson will find out what's going on and then we'll have a fight with them or something and all will be well. This is good news. It's always better when you know who your enemy is. Robert was quiet for a long time, seeming to drift along the wet sidewalk, his head down. Victor sighed. I know it's a lot. Everyone you met tonight, I'm sorry it's been so crazy, he said. No, no, it's okay. They were lovely. I liked both of them a lot, Robert said. I like all your friends, actually. They're amazing. I've just had such a crazy day. I feel like my head is spinning in every possible direction. I need some time to just think and take it all in. Victor furrowed his brow in worry. Again? He said quietly. <laughs> no, not like before, Robert assured him. I still want to be with you. I'm sure of that now. But I need to just stop talking tonight. I just want to relax together for a while. Enjoy the quiet city. Victor smiled and pulled out his cigarettes, handing one to Robert and lighting it for him. I'd like that, Victor said. He took Robert's hand and they walked into the cold, misty night together. And so we come to the end of another episode. Victor and Robert finally seem to be finding some peace. But of course, that probably won't last long with these two. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost. With additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at CorwinRosewood.com. Thank you for listening.